This is episode 32 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Chris Millett. We get pumped up on like what music therapy can do and it can help with speech and communication and yada, 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 all the functional aspects. But I think the more I get into music therapy, the less I'm worried about getting into other disciplines, turfs of speech and uh, rehabilitation. I know that music does all of these things and I do a lot of those things in my treatment, but I think the main thing I always take away is like, but what is this music bringing that's so different? What is value is this adding to their life, to their relationships? Um, and how are they more musical than when I came? You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Chris Millett, who is currently the coordinator of the clinic at the University of Louisville. And we talk about his experiences there, some of the awesome projects they're working on right now, as well as his background in medical music therapy and how he has developed his eclectic approach. Chris is also starting the project of joining us in the podcast space with the Make More Music podcast, which will be launching hopefully in January, he says. So listen to the end of the episode to hear his vision about that. It's really awesome and so great to see everyone else's take on how to create more audio content for musicians, music therapists, other creative arts therapies. And it's great to just see this niche booming and everyone doing it in a different way. If you'd like more information on the Make More Music podcast, I will have Chris's email for that listed below along with the other links that are available as they come out. If you're enjoying the podcast and looking for a way to support us, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I will read a review at the other end of this episode. Those reviews really help the podcast be more visible so that more professionals and students can find it and we can encourage more people to be part of this conversation and feel inspired about the work they're doing. Also, you can support the podcast on Patreon. People who become patrons over there have the opportunity to ask guest questions, and I will have that link in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Chris. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making the time to be with me today. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Saturday, so nice and calm here at the house and should be a good weekend. Good. So. It's uh, the second to last weekend before the holidays. So yes. maybe one of the last calm ones. 
Yes, my wife is also um, really type A about the holidays. So she's had her gifts all done by like November. So it's we get to enjoy the holidays a little bit and not be stressed about going out and shopping and things like that. So it's good. Awesome. That's a, yeah. a lucky find there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's great. She's great. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself outside of music therapy. Cool. Well, um, I was born in Kentucky. Um, I grew up here and went to undergrad and grad school at a couple different schools here in Kentucky. And, um, I play a lot of music, I obviously, and outside of music, I, I spend a lot of time with friends, we host a lot, um, we do a lot of stuff with our church, so um, nothing too crazy. My wife and I have uh, fostered children for a few years now, so that was that's probably the craziest thing we've done, but... Um, that's beautiful. Yeah, but... Uh, we try and stay pretty calm, stay pretty minimal and stay pretty, we we're now that we've made this new transition, we try to leave a lot of margin in our life to be flexible and be spontaneous with friends and stuff like that. So good for you. Wow. That's such a, a wonderful picture, a wonderful image in my mind. <laughs> so how did you find music therapy and take us uh, a little bit on your journey till now? Yeah. Um, I was really fortunate. I found about found out about music therapy, I guess, when I was a senior in high school. Um, I didn't really have any clue what I wanted to do. I was seriously considering, like, taking a couple years before going to college or not going to college. I, I knew I didn't want to be a music teacher, but I was really interested in music in general. And I was like, well, if I want to do music, I'm just going to try to get my band signed. Like I was so, I thought I was so close in high school, but we were very far away from that dream, <laughs> but we were right there in our minds. So, uh, fortunately, uh, there was a class at my high school that I took just because you got to leave campus half the day. Uh, we did block a day, B day scheduling. So ha every a day, uh, half the day you got to go job shadow out in the community cool and yeah so that was really awesome I literally was like yeah as much as I could not be at school would be awesome <laughs> so um found out about that signed up and everybody got to do whatever job they wanted so we got a list of like you know 600 jobs um and it was all in Lexington so like a mid-sized city and it was just every regular job you know baker's lawyers, doctors, dentists, you know, every just random occupation. And I was just scanning and I saw a music teacher and it was my band teacher. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to shadow him. Like I go to band every week. Like, no. So I kept scanning and then there was a um, music therapist on the list. And I was like, I don't know what it is. I'm signing up. So I also knew it was at Eastern State Hospital, which um, is one of the, until recently, they were still in what, like, I think it was the second or third oldest psych facility in the U.S. Wow. Like, the building was from, like, the 1800s. It was really cool doing the tour because the guy was like, this is the room we used to do lobotomies in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. A history lesson. So, yeah, it was wild. So 
um, my great grandmother worked there in like the thirties and forties. So I was like, man, I want to go check this place out. I have no idea what music therapy is. I didn't look into it at all. I just showed up and from, it had to have been pretty much from the first day. I was like, that's it. Where's the closest school? This is it. Um, it was really cool. It was a pretty high needs psych facility. These were a, a lot of people that had um, a lot of trouble functioning in a regular system. Uh, so it was a lot of regulars. It was a lot of very long-term people. Um, a lot of individuals who would get off of their medication schedule and have a crisis and have to be in the facility for a few weeks to months. Uh, and it was really interesting because I was kind of terrified. I was interested and terrified, uh, of the population, but right away, uh, the music therapist was amazing. She did most of her sessions from the piano and like, uh, group experiences while she was song leading at the piano. And uh, another cool thing is she knew I was pretty good at guitar, so she let me give basically a clinical music lesson, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just teaching this guy some things on guitar, and we did that like two or three weeks in a row, and then we performed for the group. Um, so that was really cool, and so I was hooked. Um, I found out that uh, University of Louisville was the only program in the state at the time. Uh, so I decided I was like, okay, that's it. I guess I'm going to Louisville. So I applied, I had to, had to learn how to read sheet music on the guitar. So I did classical guitar for my primary, um, went to U of L worked with, you know, we did a lot of practicum, which was great. Uh, and I then, Towards the end, I found out I really liked being in the hospital. So the all of senior year, I did a practicum at um, one of the local hospitals and wanted to do my internship there. So luckily, back at home, University of Kentucky Healthcare had started a music therapy program by that time. And I did my internship there uh, with Lori Gooding and Olivia Yinger and Jesse Rushing was my main day-to-day -day supervisor for that. So got to work pretty closely with all of them. Really enjoyed being in the hospital. Um, and it, it's a big hospital, so you know, we're all over the place, lots of units, like a lot of people are. And when that was coming to a close, it just so happened that a TA position was opening up in their uh, master's program. And I was like, free school, sign me up. So. <laughs> Uh, I applied, uh, got, got accepted and for the assistantship. So I did my master's in three semesters because I had already had a music therapy undergrad. So I could take 12, 12, uh, nine credits. So I, I booked it through, um, or I think I did three twelves actually. It was, uh, I booked it through my master's. Um, and at the same time, my wife was starting teaching. She's a high school English teacher. And after that, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. I uh, liked hospital jobs, but we were kind of open. So, um, I had met some people the previous year at conference. 
just networking and meeting people and whatnot. And uh, Rich Motes at Florida Hospital, now Advent Health, uh, was, I had met her the previous year and I knew they had an opening. So I reached out and um, pretty intense like interview process. And I think I, I was narrowed down to one or two people that got to do an on-site. And on-site was like, I think I was there from Wednesday through Thursday night. So wow. we did like a full day. Then there was an interview with like the VP and then there was a team interview and um, some practical scenarios and things like that. So, um, which has been really great. We've been able to get really good people there through kind of weeding through all of that. So that was, uh, I told Rich, I was like, I feel like I can interview for any job after that. <laughs> so, uh, so that was great. And then I worked at Florida Hospital, which is now Advent Health in Orlando uh, specifically, I got to work with um, the pediatrics. I covered a little bit of everything, um, but my primary work was um, PICU. Uh, there was two general medical floors. There was BMT. Um, there was Hemonc, and then NICU were my main, and that was, I think, all combined. 300 ish beds for the peds, but the whole hospital was like almost 2000 beds. So wow. you were covering a lot and there was a lot of us at the time. There was only two of us. Now there's like nine people that work there. That's so great. yeah, so that was great. I worked there for four years and just this year I made a big transition. My family and I moved back uh, to Kentucky to be closer to our family. Now that we have a little daughter and um, congratulations. Yes, yeah, so it was cool. I, I get to work now at uh, at U of L. I they now have a music therapy clinic on campus, so I get to coordinate the day to day of that. A lot of supervising of interns. We usually have two or three at different uh, stacked across the internship, and then um, a lot of diversity of populations. So. That's pretty much kind of my music therapy path. I've done some presenting at conference. Um, I've contracted a lot while I was in grad school. I did a lot of extra work. Uh, I've always just been hustling. and I've never been unemployed with music therapy. It's easy to just take work if you need to. I think that's a very important statement because that is not something you hear very often from music therapists, that I've never been unemployed or... I literally haven't made a move unless I had a job lined up. And even like right out of internship, I had the TA, which was teaching and clinical. And then I contracted a full day of work um, in Louisville. And then I didn't move. I already had the uh, Florida hospital job before I moved. And then I already had the UofL job before I moved. So I'm, I'm definitely a hustler when it comes to that. I'm always playing like... I got a wedding gig coming up. I'm playing at church. And if people have those random like, oh, this winery <laughs> has a night where they want to pay somebody. I'm like, great. I usually I like to get like one of my friends because then it's kind of like, cool, I get to hang out with one of my friends. And it's not like, OK, I'll see you all later. Uh, but at least I get to do some social aspect of it, too. So, yeah, let's start there, I guess. So what's it like 
balancing doing full-time work as a music therapist and also doing gigs. I mean, you, you seem really excited about it. Yeah. It's a passion, but what's it like having to prep your session material and prep your gig material and schedule all that? Mm. Well, the good thing is I always try to take gigs. Like even when I was in Orlando, I took a few gigs at like, I covered for this other music therapist who did this local gig at a pizza place. And it was literally just kind of open mic style, uh, just playing acoustic and voice. And the good thing I think with medical is the fact of like, you use all those skills of building rep and reading a room and all of those things that you use in the medical environment translate really quick, really easily to, oh, it seems like that table uh, is not digging the slow songs right now. Or uh, being able to take a lot of requests. People would always be like, oh, wow, can you play that? I was like, if I vaguely know it, I can probably pull the chord chart up. <laughs> like, we can probably do this. So I always try to take fairly low-maintenance gigs um, as far as that's concerned. And weddings, like, uh, most of the wedding gigs I've done have either been, like, classical guitar or like that same singer songwriter I haven't done like um, like a wedding band or anything like that but I try to do things that don't require too much of it's just like let's get a lot of rep let's practice maybe think about what's a song list and and go so yeah smart I like that yeah. <laughs> not not work too hard I don't have enough time to do that <laughs> to do the other thing like you're saying yeah yeah, especially if you have a, a new kiddo, which is really exciting. Yeah, she, um, she, I try to let her touch and play all the instruments and teach her how to respect everything. So <clears throat> normally I can practice too with her bopping around. If, she, if I'm practicing something, I'll like hand her an egg shaker. I'm like, shake along, <laughs> just get her like involved, like uh, give her an incompatible response. She can't whine if at the same time she has an egg shaker and she's playing. So that's a little behavioral, uh, my behavioral background in music therapy. Yeah, but also what a wonderful childhood for her to grow up and have those experiences with you. Mm. Yeah. Her and her cousin are really spoiled. Um, our, my, my nephew, he is um, one month apart from her, and their dad, his dad, is just joined lion king the uh broadway tour oh wow so when they came when lion king came into louisville they got to go to like four dress rehearsals and got to see it like a whole performance i'm like between all of this you all have no choice you're going to be playing instruments and singing and dancing so yeah. so it's cool yeah you're gonna have some creative kids in your family for sure that's awesome so tell us about balancing all the different units and adapting to all the different types of populations you saw while you were in the hospital. Um, so when, when I was in internship, I, I mostly did adults. There was a pediatric unit, uh, but we didn't get consulted there a lot. Um, they were working on building up a position to work there, but I would say at internship, I was probably 90% adults and I was ICU, general med, um, stroke, a lot of palliative care, a lot of hospice, some cancer care. Um, and 
that was in Kentucky and it was actually in my hometown. So there was some benefit of, I was really aware of a lot of the main culture of the hospital. Um, so really at that point at internship, it was more of just getting comfortable. How do I, you know, talk to people? How do I, uh, I'm very comfortable with that, like therapeutic presence, but then moving past that is okay. What are we doing here? Why are we here? What's the purpose and moving ahead? So, um, I didn't have that much of a challenge until I got to Orlando where it's, I would say significantly more diverse. Um, and the needs are very different from developmental stages, uh, with pediatrics, like a lot of adults they're once they've reached that adulthood, there are similar type of interventions that might work across the whole adult lifespan with pediatrics. There was a lot more flexibility and creativity required to even treat someone with the same diagnosis of the same cultural background at different developmental stages. And then you talk about all the other variables. So I think for there, it was, <clears throat> I had some really good uh, supervision, both formally and informally. Our team was really great about pushing each other um, to be more musical. Both Rich and JT went to Berkeley, so they were they were uh, pushing musicality a lot and pushed me to be better a lot and think critically about what we were doing. So the thing that I think helped me the most is when I got to Orlando, I really developed my therapeutic philosophy and uh, approaches. And obviously that's always still evolving, but that's where I kind of really figured out like who I am, what approaches do I value and really decided to take like more of an eclectic approach. I think the hospital generally necessitates it, but I know some people still practice more linearly and that's cool too. But I just found that like there's the, you know, biopsychosocial element of what's going on. And there's the uh, person here with a diagnosis and a condition and symptoms that go with that, but there's, um, a child and family dynamic that's going on at the same time. There's, uh, pre-existing conditions that might be impacting them. There's their perception of the hospital. So it was hard not to see how like a humanistic lens as well as, you know, this cognitive behavioral lens and the NMT training as well as like creative music therapy approaches, because I felt like the more I pushed myself to be creative and open my own creative thinking, it was a lot easier to problem solve and help, uh, help patients be more creative and active in their treatment and express what they need to express. And, um, I think that's one thing I really sat in as I've grown as a music therapist is I definitely coming out of school was very, um, I don't know what the word you would say is maybe well, I would say I cocky and arrogant pop in my head, but it's not quite that it's, um, prideful. Yeah. Like confident in, yeah. in the fact of we, we get pumped up on like what music therapy can do and it can help with speech and communication and 
yada, 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 all the functional aspects. But I think the more I get into music therapy, the less I'm worried about getting into other disciplines, terps of speech and uh, rehabilitation. I know that music does all of these things. And I do a lot of those things in my treatment. But I think the main thing I always take away is like, but what is this music bringing that's so different? What is value is this adding to their life, to their relationships? Um, and how are they more musical than when I came? So. Yeah, I really, I resonate with that. Uh, and I like what you said about how some people take, I think the word you used was a more linear approach. But mm -hmm. I agree with you that if if what's authentic to you is to take this eclectic approach and to really stay in that music lane, then no matter who you're working with, they will notice your authenticity and also be able to come out of their creative shell. And mm -hmm. they would do the same thing with a different person being authentic in their own way. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the big thing that we talk with the interns a lot about is that whole what are you doing that's different? Could, and then it, it goes both ways too. It's, are they doing, is a speech therapist doing this more effectively? And then the other side is, is a music volunteer doing this just as effectively? So there's that middle ground we have to figure out and navigate. It's like, where, where is our slice of where we make the most difference? And I'm always interested in what makes the biggest impact and then just like pile drive into that and like find a niche for, for that person, for that specific need area. And let's focus on that. And from person to person, that's what I love about, even though as now a community contractor, seeing a lot of the same clients over and over, I get to think, but maybe nobody else is working on this slice of their pie or, you know, you always hear those like, wow, they say more for you than they say in speech therapy or wow, they work so hard to do that. And, um, and I'm always like, I mean, that's amazing. It's great to hear, but it's, it's music, you know? So. Yeah. That made me think of, um, one client I see and I've had the opportunity to co-lead or be observed in the past year by his occupational therapist, his special education teacher, and his vision therapist. And they all gave me that feedback. And I always say to them, come to a session, co-lead with me because you have a skill set that I don't have and I can adapt. I can, you know, bring this engagement, this motivation to whatever you're doing so we can take him yeah. to those next, those next levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that team approach makes such a big difference. And I think that was another cool thing at the hospital was now I'm back into that kind of contractor mode where I show up and I'm there for my window of time. But at the hospital, it was so cool to, uh, you know, walk past one of your friends, the PTs and be like, Hey, who are you seeing today? Oh, I'm seeing them too. You want to work together? You know, so, or the, like you knock on the door and they're already working or vice versa. And they're like, come on in. I always loved that about the hospital and the creating bigger moments by doing that. Like the cool aspects of some of the ones that like really stuck out to me were, um, the little things too. It's to asking the OT like, Hey, we're going to do our session. What would be helpful for this person? Like, Oh, they really need to sit on the edge of the bed. So it's literally, okay, we're going to have our session, but you got to sit on the edge of the bed. Yeah. And I'm just doing my regular session. But then I loved the, like, uh, 
um, you know, partnering with Child Life and partnering with OT for things like uh, there was a a patient who had epilepsy surgery, so they were there for usually a week to several weeks. Missed her high school graduation, oh. so she had some uh, issues with being able to stand up. So between PT is helping them stand and walk. Child Life acquired like a cap and gown. I literally showed up on the guitar and played. So it's just creating those moments as a team that I couldn't do all by myself. I'm not, and I'm not the kind of person like I'm not picking you up. Like I don't want you to fall. <laughs> I don't want that to be on me. So um, I think it's always cooler when you can get more people involved. Yeah. I also love that since our profession, since our medium music is so adaptable, we are able to work with all those different disciplines so easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what has it been like transitioning from that team atmosphere and working in the hospital to leading a university, uh, coordinating their clinical program and stuff? Um, it's been awesome. It's been fun to be back home. Uh, probably the biggest challenge and uh, interesting part is going from kind of one population or, you know, several in a hospital at one setting rather, and now being at a place where I'm seeing, you know, some populations that I haven't worked with in years, uh, some that are new and individuals and groups and also managing <clears throat> that business relationship with people yeah. and the customer service aspect of, you know, how is this going? What can we change? Pitching new contracts and marketing and um so that's been the biggest shift but i really love now that i'm getting to do a lot of contracts and a, a lot of different facilities and i love now that i'm kind of in the stage after being there a few months where i get to start thinking okay cool what are some other places we're going to pitch to next or <clears throat> so getting to decide like yeah let's go get some more psych facilities or yeah let's go do this or um so that's fun uh it's also challenging and I've always been doing intern supervision but now I'm the person who signs on the lines for them and mm -hmm. instead of kind of like the guy that they go with for pediatrics so uh that that's been a little bit of change of just having to understand like that role and that responsibility and um helping them get through too so yeah that must be really fulfilling, though. It's fun. It's fun to be back uh, at my school doing it because it's like it puts it in my forefront, the education aspect of it all. So, yeah. Yeah, that's quite a shift from being even though you're still supervising and everything from being a clinician to having to figure out all that marketing stuff and pitching and working with students and balancing yeah. contracts. That's a lot all at once. Yeah, it's fun. I was ready for the shift. I mean, I love pediatrics. I'm good at medical music therapy. I would love to figure out more ways to involve that. But uh, it was just fun to grow and for kind of the next professional step in doing something like that. So, yeah. 
Awesome. So tell us about some of your published works. Mm. Um, I don't have too many things. So I did my master's thesis on uh, comparing active and passive <clears throat> interventions for distraction-based interventions for little kids, zero to five, getting ready for ambulatory or like day surgery. So these were zero to five-year-olds um, at UK Healthcare that were getting ready for things like uh, their tonsils removed, sinuses, uh, sinuses and adenoids, um, sometimes like eye surgeries, sometimes special needs uh, people with like dental procedures, but <clears throat> it was all ambulatory surgery. Um, and I was pretty ambitious, uh, with my advisor and was like, look, I don't want to do a survey. I don't want to like, if I'm going to learn this whole research thing, help me do like a experimental study. So, uh, that was fun. It was a challenge. There are many things I would have done differently <laughs> now going back. But um, definitely the part that was least fun was after. So I did my whole master's. And after that, I started plugging away to get it published. And it was published in, I think, I think it's December 2017 for or uh, winter 2017 for JMT. It might not be that date, but I think it's that date. And, um, that was just, you know, the abridged version of my thesis and man, that process was tough. And I have a very, uh, new and different appreciation for getting things published in a, in a peer reviewed journal. That was, that was kind of where I first realized I thought for a long time I wanted to do my PhD in music therapy. And I was like, this is great. I'm happy I did it, but I don't think this is for me long term. So um, I just didn't enjoy the back and forth of the editing, and it uh, drained my like perseverance. I'm, I get very excited for projects at the beginning, mm -hmm. and that was the kind of project that required long-term um, dedication in a way that I had not been challenged previously. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I stuck it out, but... Oh, uh, I'm tired thinking about it. So. <laughs> yeah, you sound tired but, thinking about yeah. it. Oh, but it was fun. Um, other things that I've done, I made um, I made a ukulele ebook for my clients at the uh, at the hospital was the idea, and I partnered with uh, Ukulele Kids Club there and at my new um, new facility to. Uh, get donations at Florida hospital. I did a, a teen focused, uh, we did pediatric groups every week on multiple units, but once a month I always did a teen focus group where I would invite just the teens and I'd say, Hey, we're going to do a, this uh, music lesson. You're going to learn ukulele and everybody's playing at least like a Bruno Mars song or like an American author song with, you know, two or three chords by the end, because you know, there's one or two finger chords that you can get away with on the ukulele that I everybody who ever came at least could at least could strum through just the way you are was always my like it's really easy the strum is the same all the way throughout um, 
chord pattern doesn't change. Um, Best Day of My Life was another one that's just three chords, but mostly two chords over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always really fun. So my plan is to figure, I have to edit it a little bit more and figure out the um, legalities of putting up chord charts of that. But I'm hoping to send that over to UKC so that it can be on their uh, MTCB, MTBC portal on their website, which if you don't know the ukulele kids club, they're awesome. So I would definitely reach out to them. They literally just donate and partner with music therapy organizations, a lot of hospitals, but I mean, they just donated to our clinic and I'm able to give away ukuleles to kids that are interested. So usually I let, I, I'd let a kid try it at the hospital. And if it seemed like they were really taking to it and they were going to take it even somewhat seriously, I'd be like, it's yours. I'm Santa Claus today. You get it. <laughs> So, and that was always really fun. So, um, yeah, I've done that. And then I've presented quite a bit at conferences. Uh, this year was fun. <clears throat> we got to present a CMTE uh, about creating interventions for pediatric patients. Rich and JT and I uh, did that. And then I presented again with JT on Sunday on improvisation and how that relates to communication. And, things like that. So, um, that was my recent conference presentations, but I try to at least throw my name in the hat. Uh, usually every year, if I think I'm going to even maybe go to conference, I throw my name in the hat and then see what happens. So Good for you. yeah, I'll link as much of that stuff as possible. So I think this goes along the same lines, but tell us about your most recent passion project. Yes, I'm super excited. And this is one of the main reasons I thought, hey, I should probably reach out to Trisha. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. I'm super pumped. Thanks. That you've kind of reinvigorated your part of there's a few new podcasts that are uh, really great of for a while. There was no active music therapy podcast because I remember several years ago listening to like the roundtable and uh, the research the research blog podcast and things like that. And I think those are on a hiatus. I haven't heard anything official, but they're not posting things (laughs) regularly. So then all of a sudden I found like yours and the music therapy hour and, um, instrumental, uh, is it Bria? Is that how you say her name? I think so. And, uh, clinical populations. Oh yeah. 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 Creative therapy umbrella. Anyway, I'll stop. (laughs) No. Yeah. And she was just on yours. Um, yeah, it seems like all of a sudden, there's a big explosion of music therapy podcasts and I had been wanting to do a podcast for a while. I am a podcast addict. I'm constantly listening to literally everything. My wife sometimes is like, what, what is this? But I started (laughs) listening to podcasts a long time ago with, um, stuff you should know. They were like my first podcast. And now it feels like Josh and Chuck are like my best friends. Um, but I decided I was like, this is it. Whether soon I'm gonna do, I'm gonna launch this podcast that I've had in the back of my head for a long time. So uh, it looks like I'm gonna get things off the ground sometime in January. Um, I thought about doing it a little bit earlier, but then I was like, you know, if I take my time, it'll line up with social media mm. advocacy month. So I can just oh. take a little bit of time, and we can do it there. Good idea. So, yeah. So I'm excited to announced that uh, I'm putting it out on the airwaves, so it has to happen. Um, it's going to be called Make More Music, 
And the point is really just to connect people with music and one another. So it, I wanted to kind of carve a slightly different space uh, since people like you are already doing great music therapy centric podcasts. Thanks. There's room for everybody. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to split to is, you know, I think music therapy is awesome, but I also think that like music therapy, there are a lot of music fields that I wish I had known about when I was a high schooler. Uh, So I'm just reaching out to interesting people who work in interesting music fields. A lot of those are obviously going to be music therapists because I have a lot of friends (laughs) now that are music therapists. Um, But just trying to reach out to people. Uh, My cousin, who's now on Broadway, is is already recorded one. And uh, JT and I, we're trying it out. We don't know how it's going to work. JT Tang, he is a music therapist who also worked with me at Florida Hospital. Um, He's going to be my co-host of sorts. We're going to figure that out because he just moved back to Singapore. So we're figuring out how we do the three-way thing um, with the interviews. But JT will at least be a regular a regular voice. But um, him and I are just talking about our backgrounds in music therapy. And then I've got a few cool interviews lined up with um, uh, Darian, my cousin, Brian Shrek, um some other interesting people that do music engineering, producing, um, and there's a guitar builder in town, so I'm going to talk with the luthier. So just things that literally I'm like nerdy and want to learn more things about. Um, I'm close enough to Nashville that I think there's plenty of cool people I can drive down and talk to in Nashville too. So I'm hoping to launch that in January. I'm going to start... an LLC to go along with that just so it's easy to sell merchandise and um, whatever it builds to, there's an infrastructure for that. So I'll send you all some links to stuff like that because hopefully I'll have an Instagram page up soon and uh, figuring out if I want to dive back into Facebook because I, I've been rogue on Facebook for almost five years now. So <laughs> I'm like, do I want that back in my life? I but totally understand. Yeah, I don't know. So I think I might just do Instagram for it, but we will see. Awesome. Yeah, I will link everything and update it as you come out with different links. Yeah, I'm excited. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. But yeah, I'm excited about it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to oh, see where it, where it takes you and uh, to learn some stuff along the way. Because it is great that there's more of us coming into this podcast space, but we all have our different take on a very similar idea. I love that about it. Yeah, I'm trying to reach out to people like you and make some podcast friends because I've already heard that uh, like Gabby and Allison were super supportive. I met them at conference mm-hmm. and Gab was like, sure, I'll come on the podcast. I was like, man, this is, this is great. So it's cool that there's this small network of yeah. people doing that now inside of an already niche field of music therapy. So there's a, a music therapy podcasters group on Facebook. I don't know if that's worth entering the Facebook world again, but it exists. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> and I so think, I, I clini- think go ahead. I think clinical populations also does like a three or four way interview. So they'd probably have some really good tips for you on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, got two scheduled next week and I'm going to meet with a guy who actually makes guitar strings. Um, and talking about what the process, like things like that. Like I would have never even thought that you never think that someone actually makes those things and like, what does that work? So, um, yeah, just really excited. And my goal is hopefully that people will feel, you know, connected. People will feel inspired. Literally, if the reason the podcast exists is I just want people to make more music. So I want to find creative ways. I'm already thinking of fun things that we can do, like, you know, a 2020 mixtape of user submitted songs and things like that. So I love just that. fun stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. So, um, it should be super fun. I, I want it to be pretty pretty inspiring, but also just pretty lighthearted and a good time. So, Oh, that's awesome. I love that so much. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Do you have time to do some rapid fire? Yes, let's do it. All righty. Coffee or tea? Definitely coffee. Uh, I go through ebbs and flows where I'm very addicted to small addicted. So every day I at least have one or two cups, but sometimes... You know, the USDA last year up to their recommendation, they oh. said you can have up to like five or six cups. So, you know, <laughs> the USDA says it. Uh, and, you know, I figure I'm fighting Alzheimer's and cancer at the same time. I figure coffee's good. <laughs> I, I like that reasoning. Early bird or night owl? Um, honestly, kind of not really either anymore. Uh, more of an early bird. Uh, just from now being like a professional and having young children. But um, I can't stay up past like 10 o'clock anymore these days. Um, But in college, I was a total night owl. So that just totally shifted. Like adulthood totally changed that. I relatively get up earlier, but I need a couple of coffees before I feel like a human. So Something you would tell your younger self. Oh, man. Hmm. Um, oh, that's always it. It's just, just don't take yourself so seriously. Um, I feel like the older I get, the less I take myself seriously. And I try to try to just humble, stay as humble as I can about everything and be lighthearted. And I feel like high school me thought everything was so serious and so important and I remember even just being in college I was in a fraternity and I look back to like some of the meetings that we had and I was like man we argued for like 45 minutes over what color our intramural jersey was going to be <laughs> and just like was like man we did not know what was coming in like a real life so I would say don't take yourself so seriously well said good perspective um What's the word I'm looking for? Examples. Good examples. <laughs> Your music therapy elevator speech. Um, I would say as it current sits, I would say something um, like I usually give the AMTA-ish definition um, and go along the lines of, Music therapy is a profession with board-certified professionals who create a relationship with other people through music, and we use that to achieve whatever means 
uh, that the client and the family and the facility wants to achieve. And then usually then it's just tailoring it to the person and what they want to know. So, uh, I, I generally start pretty, pretty broad and then give examples or things like that. Well said. Your favorite self-care practice. Hmm. I have a lot. Um, well, Jeopardy is like my favorite TV show. So I love, I love game shows. So, um, I would say that podcasts and then the, that's another thing. The older I get, the more I love specifically like making music with my friends and like my old friends. So like the cool thing about Christmas time and now living back at home is I have some friends that are coming home for Christmas and I'm already thinking like, Oh, cool. Let's get together. Let's sit in the basement and, and jam, or let's go find a gig we can play and get paid to do the same thing. So, uh, things like that. So probably those three, uh, the top, I, I love being with my family. Uh, my dog cracks me up constantly cause she's a basset hound. Um, and playing with my daughter. So all of those things. Sounds very well-rounded. Try to be. Something that is currently adding value to your life. Um, I just really enjoy uh, the holiday time and the Christmas time. So I think just the that natural kind of spark in the air, I think um, it gets a little hectic and it gets a little busy. But I, I see it like at home. It's fun to come home and there's the decorations and we're all enjoying winter things now, especially because we're not in Florida anymore. So it feels like winter. So, um, and so that, and also a super fun project. I will definitely send you this when it's finished is I found a public domain holiday songs and decided Carol of the bells. So I, we have all of our clients at the clinic. So we have, you know, guys that are in like an incarcerated addiction recovery facility to seniors in a senior living facility to high schoolers with special needs to people in the clinic. Everybody's contributing a little sample to play Carol of the Bells and we're putting a video together of everybody playing it. Um, so that I'm really looking forward to that. So that's been inspiring, um, infusing all of that into the sessions over the past like two weeks. So yeah. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, there's boom whackers and melodicas and tone chimes and drums. (laughs) So it's going to be goofy, but it'll be fun. Awesome. Oh, this is kind of ironic. Your current favorite intervention or song to use in a session. Oh, yeah, probably that. Um, When I think of like songs and sessions nowadays, I definitely get the idea always for like psych based sessions. so I think, what are some songs I've done recently? Oh, my! I'll, I'll say this one because it's always my favorite one at the beginning of the year um, or the end of the year. I like to do a psych session that focuses on looking back at the previous year and looking ahead to the next year. And the song I use for the song discussion, sometimes lyric analysis, sometimes not so pointed, is um, A Long December by Counting Crows. And then I have 
people talk about, you know, what, what did their 2019 look like? So, or their previous year, whatever year. And, you know, what were some of the ups? What were some of the downs? You know, um, is there any memory you want to leave behind that you want to forget about? And then, you know, what's your word going to be for 2020? You know, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to happen? And sometimes it can be more focused on goal setting. And sometimes it can be more on the holistic aspect of just expressing. Uh, so I think it's pretty adaptable. So that's a fun end of the year, beginning of the year song. So hopefully some people can use that if they want to. Yeah. Awesome. And the last one, where can people find you and connect with you? Um, so like I said, I'm pretty rogue on social media, but, um, the clinic, we would love if you check out the, the music therapy clinic page. It's, um, Facebook slash, uh, U of L M T C, uh, or you can just look up U of L for university of Louisville music therapy clinic. Um, I try and post stuff all the time on there, um, highlighting our interns, highlighting our clients, um, we just won a grant to get a van for next year, so that's exciting. We bought the van. Now we're going to renovate it and wrap it, so it's going to be our like mobile clinic. So That's be awesome. Some, yeah, there's going to be some fun posts of that, so I'm excited. So, that's probably the main um, people. So I have a email account already, makemoremusicpodcast at gmail, um, and then the rest will be forthcoming. I'll, I'll put it out there in the blogosphere, and people can find it. Awesome. I will link all those things as they come in. Thank you cool. so, so much for talking with me. And you have so many awesome projects, either like work you're working on right now or coming down the pipeline. And it's it's invigorating to hear about all the cool stuff you're doing. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty ADHD, so I have to do different things or else I get really bored and burn out really fast. So I like <laughs> to spin a lot of plates. So. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you well, so much. For yeah. Of course. Have a good rest of your Saturday. Thanks. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you got as much out of that conversation with Chris as I did. He really does have so many awesome projects going on right now. And it's great to hear about all the great stuff that's happening in the music therapy community and ways people are using their skill set in different ways. Hearing about a music therapy van is super awesome. So it's great to see how things are expanding in different locations. As promised, I am now going to read a review from Apple Podcasts. This one says... Five stars. Being a retired special needs teacher for over 35 years, I wish there had been venues such as this when I was working. This podcast is always inspiring and so well presented. Great job, Trisha. Thank you so much. Keep up the wonderful work, support, and education for those who listen. So thank you so much for the reviews. They help this podcast be more visible. And it's great to hear what you guys are liking about the show. Please also consider joining our group on Facebook. 
And following us on social media, you can find all of our links just under Music Therapy Chronicles. So that would be on Facebook, on Instagram, and the like. And again, please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com. The link will be in the show notes. And if you are a patron, you will have the opportunity to ask guest questions. So when I schedule an interview, I will post on Patreon who that person is and probably a link to their website or what have you. And if you have a question you'd like to ask them, you are welcome to do so there. Finally, if you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast or there's someone you want us to reach out to, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com and that will go right to me. So I hope to hear from some of you guys and have more of these in-depth conversations to share with the listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode and I will see you in the next one.